Welcome into Let's Talk TV, Game of Thrones Season 8. I went and recruited Cody McClure. We've been promising a Game of Thrones podcast. Well, it's finally here. Cody, uh, first of all, thanks for doing this. Sunday night, it's about what, 11 o'clock, right on the dot. Um, so thanks for making time. And uh, what, what was your big takeaway? What, what do you think about the episode? Scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving it? I give that episode a six and a half, maybe six, 6.4, 6.5. A lot of just, uh, you know, just a lot of reunions, a lot of meeting up and, you know, how's this character going to interact with this character? They haven't seen each other in a long time. And there was a lot of that and not a lot of action in the first episode. So you could tell it was one of those where they're just kind of setting up the Battle of Winterfell, which I'm assuming is going to be that third episode. Yeah, I think uh, episode three is going to be the Battle of Winterfell. So I think we're going to get another setup in episode two. I'm going to try to not be negative because, you know, I've been a little negative about season seven. I thought season eight kind of started in the same fashion. Uh, There's a couple of things in this episode that really bothered me, but I'm going to try to try to remain positive, not be too negative about it. But did I ruin any of it for you? Were you looking for some of those things that made it a little cheesy? Because I, I found myself looking, trying to, you know, kind of nitpick a little bit. I was curious if I affected your viewing at all. Well, when I was watching it, I mean, it didn't affect my enjoyment at all. Because I'm just, I mean, I'm obsessed with the show. And I'm a new watcher. As you know, I didn't start watching it until this year. So, I, I mean, being where I'm at in the show, I'm not going to really critique it too much. Because I'm still just enjoying the roller coaster. Uh, but speaking of roller coaster... And I assume this is probably one of the things you had a problem with. When John and Danny were riding the dragons, it really felt like a like a virtual roller coaster ride for Jon Snow. And uh and and I assume that's probably one of the things you would have nitpicked. Well, it felt like a virtual roller coaster that we just casually dropped into like a romantic comedy all of a sudden. Like I don't know if it was supposed to feel like that, but I feel like the entire show, at least like the last five or six seasons, all Jon Snow has cared about is the Night King, right? And then all of a sudden, he, you know, he, he gets he gets to get nasty with Daenerys, and and then all of a sudden, he's riding around the dragons like Aladdin in the magic carpet, just racing Danny. I, I thought that was really, really cheesy. And then they get to the waterfall, and you know, they make out, and they're talking about staying there forever and growing old together. I didn't know when all of a sudden Jon Snow quit caring about the Night King, but he had time to go ride dragons and make out with Danny, And that was really weird to me because he knew, you know, Brandon already told him, hey, the, they're through the wall. All that bitching you've been doing for, for seven seasons, it's been justified. They are coming. And then all of a sudden Jon Snow didn't care. He just wanted to go on a date. You want to go on a picnic? Yeah, I just thought it was really, really weird. I mean, really it's, weird. Uh, it's it's one of the last opportunities he'll have, probably. You know, I mean, you got to love while you can, right? I mean, because he's he's not going to have much more time. It, it was weird the way that they set it up and just sandwiched it right in the middle of everything else. But I do think, if anything, maybe there's a little foreshadowing there because I think everybody coming into season eight, we all thought at some point Jon Snow is going to ride a dragon, right? So would it have been kind of weird if if the first time he rode the dragon was the Battle of Winterfell? I feel like it's even weirder that the first time he rides it is to go on a waterfall date. Whenever the whole reason she was going to go check him out was because they hadn't eaten. 
right? So like my dragons aren't eating enough food. Let's go take them on a on a joyride. Have, let's go take them out energy. for a spin. <laughs> yeah, they have low energy. Let's let's go ride them. They have no food, but let's go out and uh, treat them like a Ferrari. It was just really weird. And yeah, like obviously, uh, the, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, he's a Targaryen. You have to see that he can ride the dragon. I'm like, yeah, we've all kind of figured that out. I don't need it to be wasted on on what they wasted it on. Well, do you think it was Game of Thrones? Do you think it was the writers just doing it for social media, for Twitter? Because they knew, obviously, that look that he gets from Drogon, that starts trending immediately. Like, you know that. I don't think that, I don't, I don't think you want that to trend, though. Like, I, I don't think you want that to be what the masses are seeing of your show because it looked really, really cheesy. But maybe this is just to prove what I've been saying all along, and that's that Ygritte is really, really overrated. Like, you know, her and Jon Snow had a bunch of sex and he barely cared about her. Like he was running away from her. And then Danny gives him some love. And next thing you knew, like I said, he's Aladdin trying to see a whole new world with Daenerys. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously got some strong feelings for her because you can tell uh, going into the next episode, you can tell there's going to be some real heat there between Daenerys and Sansa. So I'm, I'm wondering how Jon Snow's uh, how, how he's going to side in all that, because they're going to go at it in episode two. Oh yeah, that that was probably the most obvious foreshadowing that they did in this episode was the the conflict that is coming between Sansa and Daenerys. You know, they really didn't waste any time with that. And even Arya gets involved in it. Do you believe Arya when she told Jon Snow that Sansa is the smartest person she knows? That was weird. That was a weird quote from Arya. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to play out with Sansa. I don't know if maybe Sansa and Arya have their own kind of, it's almost like maybe they have their own thing going, their own scheme, you know, because they were together those last few episodes of season seven uh, before they supposedly killed off Littlefinger and John was nowhere to be found. And like, you can hear it in Sansa's voice now that the people really missed John while he was gone. And I think he lost a lot of their trust. So I don't know if, if maybe Arya and Sansa have kind of a, kind of their own little pack, you know? Well, it seems like they are going to be uh, the most, you know, focused on protecting the Stark name, right? I mean, like, you know, Arya says, family first, don't forget about it, basically, is what she said. I mean, that, that wasn't her quote verbatim, but she was basically like, John, you need to remember which side well, you're yeah, on. Uh, yeah. Uh, which, which side is I mean, family. now we know, though. We know he's a Targaryen now, though. So, like, I, I mean, he's got, he, he still has half Stark blood, but how does that change things? I mean, does, does there end, a, end up being like a, a divide with Arya and Sansa and then John and Danny? Because it kind of looks like that might be well, coming in episode two. It's it's what I've been saying for a long time. Uh, Daenerys is going to end up being the bad guy. It seems like it's heading that way, right? With uh, the conversation she had with Samuel Tarly where she's like, oh, wait. Yeah, I killed your dad. He's like, oh, well, that's okay. Still got my brother. She's like, no, no, yeah, killed him too. too. And then Samuel's like, oh, damn. Okay, yeah, never mind. I felt, <laughs> Guess I have nobody. I felt bad for Sam in that moment because I mean, I didn't expect him to really care about losing his father, you know. But yeah, when she when she uh, admitted to the brother too, that was that was pretty tough. Which of course led Sam to go out and talk to Bran, and they decided it was time to tell Jon Snow the truth. And I'm I'm glad we at least got that in this episode. Yeah, it saved it saved the episode for me, although I feel like that deserved a bigger announcement, maybe, rather than Sam clumsily stumbling into the crypt like a moron, like a big dumb, you know, comic relief, like a clown basically. Yeah. 
he's he's kind of you know turned into like a respectable smart guy yet he's still stumbling around as he comes to talk to john i thought that was uh kind of sad yeah, for samuel he's, he's evolved from being that guy you know that that guy's like season 1 right. season 2 he's evolved loser samuel is is what that is yeah that's john snow has to protect me i can't do anything samuel and yeah like you know I don't I don't know where Samuel's character arc ranks, but he's definitely evolved and, you know, turned into a, a man and takes care of his family and is a pretty important player in the grand scheme of things. And then yeah, they for some reason went back to him stumbling in uh like like a like a well, like a oath, Well, you mentioned the basically. term comic relief. It's almost kind of the same thing with the dragons, is it not? It which is weird with this show. It's like because this show has had those moments and some of them hit you know, like when the like the the looks in previous seasons where where Tormund looks at Brienne, like it's it's okay to have a nice little kind of laughter moment, but it it does seem like this first episode those came in weird spots. Not only with Sam kind of being clumsy again, but but the dragons. I think it's a little bit of the same thing there. And I really, again, I, I'm trying not to be negative because I do think the season's going to end up being awesome because it really has no choice but to be awesome. But uh, for the show to basically open up with Tyrion again going for you know sophomoric junior high insults about talking how, about his balls, yeah, about how about how the eunuch has no balls, like that's just it, it, that's twice that Tyrion's trying to make that joke recently, and it, it just seemed like a really weird way to open up the season. That was literally the very first dialogue of the season. Like, yeah, Tyrion's the first guy that talked, and that's what he said. Um, which again, you know, it's that thing with Game of Thrones. Some of that I think hits, and it has its funny moments, and it's good for the show. But um, I don't know. It just the, the timing seemed a little weird to open up season eight with that after you know what we just saw and what we've been waiting two years for. That that really put me on the defensive right away. Like, like I found myself halfway through the episode just being like, man. Uh, between this and like right, like, like we've talked about with the dragon ride, I stopped at that point. It was just like, man, this uh, this episode better better change in a hurry because I've been really worried about this season, and uh, they're not doing anything to make me stop worrying. Yeah, about I that. did enjoy the way that they opened up with Arya kind of looking on, and you know, the, they compared it to. The, I don't know if you watched the thing after the episode, but. They were talking about comparing it to season one when King Robert and Cersei first ride in and you kind of see everybody and they went for that again. And I think that was a good a good way to open it other than the the dialogue from Tyrion and Varys there. Yeah. Um, Sansa, you know, being up on the the top, seeing the dragons fly over, you got to see kind of their reactions to finally seeing the dragons. I would have thought Arya would have been up in the castle. I wouldn't think that she would just be roaming the streets like that, but it. it, it it led for a good moment, I guess, of seeing them all ride in. Of course, then she gets a look at the Hound. You already kind of talked about how this episode was basically just everyone realizing they're back together. Of course, that's how the episode ended with Jamie showing up in Winterfell and seeing, uh, you know, Bran for the first time since pushing him out the window, basically. Well, we knew that meetup was going to happen at some point. I didn't know they would end the episode with that. It actually kind of caught me off guard when which I guess I just lost track of time, but I knew when they showed that guy riding in with the hood on or whatever, I knew it was going to be Jamie. And then he makes the eye contact with Bran and then just, you know, it cuts to credits and that's the end of the episode. I really wasn't expecting that in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, Jamie 
rode in from King's Landing, obviously. He left Cersei there. I guess that one of the big things from this episode, though, is that Cersei wants Jamie killed, right? I mean, that's what the gold offer was for Bronn, right? To to kill Jamie? Jamie and Tyrion, both of her her traitor brothers. And I feel like that's gonna be a really weird deal because this whole uh, the whole show for Bronn has been him building relationships with Tyrion and then Jamie. But 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 I, I would say that Bronn's also stayed true though to the whole idea that he's just going to the higher bidder. So is he going to stay with that or is he going to, you know, end up choosing friendship? Because like you said, he has built relationships with them. But even while he was serving them, he basically said, hey, I'm just your friend because you're paying me. Yeah, he did. I mean, he always said that to Tyrion, but it it just seems like the relationship built with both of those two, which I think is going to lead up to Bronn having some kind of a conflict. Like, I I mean, I don't think it's all going to be all about the money for Bronn. It could be. It, It would just be weird to me. Cersei is the one... Uh, who hasn't really, you know, acquired his services yet, like Tyrion and Jamie have, but he's just kind of been hoard around to the Lannisters to this point. But I really felt like he had a, an actual relationship with Tyrion and Jamie, especially Tyrion. So I don't know that that's I don't know how that'll play out. You talk about doing some of the things for social media. It definitely felt like uh, Cersei's line to Euron as he's trying to court her was built for social media, where she said, if you want a whore, go buy one. But if you want a queen, earn it. And then turns around and immediately is like, oh, wait, never mind. Just come in here. Come in the bedroom. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. I I, I was really surprised that Cersei let him in the bedroom. <laughs> like, I'm just not used to seeing Cersei banging Euron Greyjoy, you know? I, I did not see that happen. Maybe she knew that Euron was his patient. Patience was running thin, and that was the only way to keep him around. I don't know, but it was really strange. And like I said, she delivers that line, and then just has a, a, an epiphany for no reason as she's walking out, and invites him in. And then they have some cringeworthy dialogue as he asks about, you know, if he's a better lover than uh, Robert and her brother. She says, "You're maybe the most arrogant man I've ever met," and I like it. That was weird. That that kind of diminished Cersei's character for me a little bit. I'm not used to Cersei being in bed with a guy like Euron Greyjoy. If she's worried about his patience running, then uh, normal Cersei would just kill the guy off. Yeah, but she needs him, I guess. She knows she needs him. So maybe, like I said, maybe that was just her realizing that she had to use whatever power she had left to to uh, keep him on track. Okay, was that was I the only person disappointed with... Uh, you know, one of the big things that happened in season seven was Euron capturing Gyara, right? And then Theon jumps overboard instead of saving her. Uh, was I the only one underwhelmed with how easy it was for Theon to come back and rescue her and just completely undo that? Just showed up, boom, shot a couple arrows, rescued her, and then she rides off. Seems like that deserved a bigger moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess while Euron was away would be the, that would make sense to get it done then. You know, they didn't have to deal with Euron in that moment. But for me, I didn't really care that it wasn't a big enough moment because okay. I, I'm just tired of the Greyjoy storyline, honestly. Okay. I'm, I'm ready for Yara and Theon and Euron. I would be cool if they all just died and were no longer a part of the show. Huh, okay. Well, I guess that is the flip side to it is like, hey, um, we only have so many hours left. We only have so many minutes we can spend. We can't devote 20 minutes to fighting for Yara. Okay, maybe maybe that's the flip side of it. 
Yeah, I don't think Yara is that important, and and for n- neither is Theon for that matter. I know Theon's been there since the very beginning, and he's had all these things happen to him, and he's changed, and you know now all of a sudden Theon is brave and has courage again, and and Reek has gone away. But I just I, I don't know. I'm tired of Theon, and maybe that's just a personal preference. But like I said, I'm ready for the Greyjoys to just be over with. How big of a role do we think Theon's going to have when he shows back up at Winterfell? I don't think it's going to be that big. I mean, I feel like Theon, of all the characters you got to close out strong or at least close out in the right way, I feel like Theon ranks pretty low, doesn't he? I mean, I I can see them just killing Theon off and it being pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's already had his redemption, right? I mean, he's saved Sansa, he saved Yara. I feel like he's already uh, kind of... Uh, overcame his, or I guess rectified his his treasonous ways from before. Like I, I feel like he, uh, he he's done for. I feel like he should die pretty quickly when he gets to Winterfell. I, I hope he dies rather quickly. I, I I hope they don't give him a bigger heroic moment because I feel like he's already kind of succeeded and passed uh, what he's deserved. Right, and even though he has now rescued Yara and done what he couldn't do before, that's enough heroism from Theon. We don't need to see any more because any more, I think, becomes unrealistic. He's not a heroic guy. Yeah, I know. But again, I'm not trying to be negative, but I feel like uh, if I had to pick right now, they're going to overdo it and make him even more heroic. They're going to make him uh, they're going to treat him even better later in this season. Well, it's like you said, we've only got so much time left and we've got to wrap up John's storyline. We got to wrap up Arya, Sansa, Danny, the Lannisters. I mean, there, there's just too many characters who are more compelling than Theon to me for them to spend a lot of time on it. But, you know, maybe they do. And I think if they do, that'll be I'll criticize the show for that. I think that'll be a mistake to spend any more time than necessary on Theon. All right. Coming out of episode one, what theories do you feel good about? Do you what what, what are your theories for how this wraps up? I guess uh, what, what, what do you think they're going to do from here on out? I feel even more confident in my theory that uh, that Tyrion is turning heel and that something went on in that meeting with Cersei. For Sansa to you saw the moment with Sansa and Tyrion and they they spoke for, you know, a couple minutes whatever and Sansa is she says to Tyrion, you know, I really thought you were the, at one time I thought you were the most clever man I knew or the most clever man I'd ever met or or whatever she says to him. It's not like Tyrion just got stupid all of a sudden. There's something well, going on behind the scenes. I really think Tyrion's going to turn. I feel like at this point, it's the only way to kind of save his character because he has been turned really, really stupid. Like all of his plans have been really, really bad. Even his dialogue, like we've talked about, has gotten really, really bad. So uh, if all of this was a ruse from Tyrion, um, that, that's almost the only way that they could save it. Now, Cody, did you notice that uh, Cersei was drinking wine tonight when she after she had had sex with Euron? So um, are we to believe that she is not actually pregnant? I don't know. Because, because then- she had refused the wine with... She, she refused the wine from Tyrion whenever she was trying to convince him that she was pregnant to kind of manipulate him. Uh, were we supposed to take away that her drinking wine means that she is not actually pregnant? I don't know. I'm still a little confused by that. And then Euron, of course, like pats her stomach and he says, I'm going to put a, a a baby in there. 
yeah, Euron telling her that he was going to put a give her a prince in her belly obviously uh, implies that he has plans to knock her up. Yeah, like are we supposed to assume there's not already a prince in there now? I mean, because the last we had heard, she's pregnant. Um, but so I don't know. I don't know if Cersei's pregnant. The thing with Tyrion, though, not only and I think your theory about Daenerys becoming the bad guy also would support Tyrion turning in a way. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know that Tyrion's necessarily going to work with Cersei because that seems unlikely. But Daenerys going crazy would be a part of Tyrion still being worried about the future and worried about her successor. Because you remember in season seven, him and Daenerys got in that argument about after her and who's the successor and who takes the throne after Daenerys. And I I really think that that is building toward Tyrion turning. And and again, I don't know if he's going to work hand in hand with Cersei because that doesn't seem likely. But I think Danny going crazy leads to Tyrion turning. That was my big takeaway from episode one: is that I was surprised with how quickly they made you see the distrust between uh, everyone and Daenerys. Like they they did not hide it. It was not slow burning. No pun intended. It was basically, hey, none of us trust Daenerys. None of us like Daenerys. Jon Snow, she's bad news. Even Samwell. Like, you know, I get it with, uh, you know, Sansa and Arya. But even Samwell was like, hey. Now, granted, he had just been told that she killed both his dad and his brother. But even Samwell was like, hey, you dropped the crown for the good of the people. Will she do the same? Will she step aside and let you actually be the king, uh, you know, of the of the of the seven kingdoms because you're the rightful heir. Will she do that same thing for you? Basically implying, no, no, she's not going to do that for you. So I was surprised to see Samwell get in on that. Well, and everyone seems to be against Daenerys now. And, and everyone does seem, with, seem to with good her, reason, except for one person though. And it's Jon Snow. And so that's why I, I think what Jon Snow does is going to be huge because I don't think he's going to turn on Danny. I think he's in love with Danny, and as unnecessary as that scene with them riding the dragons may be, I think it at least probably backs up that theory that they are indeed in love. And so does Jon Snow just all of a sudden change and become a guy who just, you know, I mean, is he going to just, when he finds out he's a Targaryen, is he going to just turn on the Stark name and just all of a sudden become a guy who's not loyal anymore because he loves Danny? I mean, because that would be weird considering she's his aunt. Well, that would that not ruin the whole show if he if he if Jon Snow just kind of was no longer the honorable Jon Snow, if he was just the lovesick puppy, Jon Snow, like I I feel like that would just ruin it for everybody. I don't don't think anyone wants that outcome. I I mean, I agree with that, but it just seems unlikely to me that Danny will have zero allies. You know what I'm saying? Because, well, she's got she's got the wildlings not the wildlings. Excuse me. She's got the uh, the Unsullied and the uh, Dothrakis. Yeah, I mean, at some point, maybe John is faced with a decision on whether he's going to be, you know, keep going with Daenerys or choose his family at some point. But maybe they're leading up to that. But it's again, it's a weird time for that, though, because they're going to have to all fight together in this battle for Winterfell. So um, so I don't know how that'll play out. Maybe we'll learn more about that, particularly in the next episode. Yeah, I'll have a real problem if Jon Snow 
doesn't want to fulfill his destiny, doesn't want to fulfill his duty, because that is kind of the constant with his character. Like, he didn't want to lead ever. Like, he didn't want to be the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, but everyone kind of voted him. And he's like, fine, whatever, I'll do it, I guess. And then he didn't really want to even be the King of the North, but everyone's like, no, you're the King of the North. And he's like, ah, fine, I'll do it, I guess. And now everyone's going to be like, hey, no, you are the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. Let Danny do it. I love her. That would just seem really uh, strange. You know, that, that would seem completely out of character for him because he hasn't wanted any of his job promotions. He hasn't wanted any of the extra responsibility, but he takes it because he's all about doing what's best for everybody. Well, what are our expectations for Jon Snow to just to fight alongside Arya and Sansa and go down in a blaze with them or maybe or maybe save Winterfell and just rule Winterfell and be just like Ned Stark or that's what I'm trying to figure out with Jon Snow there we have all these things that would be weird for him to do and we don't want him to do but what do we expect from him what is Jon Snow's character I mean, meant I, to do I expect him to either die or rule on the iron throne I think dying seems more likely yeah, dying, or you know, some people think that he uh, has to take the place of the Night King and rule the the you know the the dead you know the, the army of the dead or whatever. That seems a little far fetched, but I think Jon Snow either dies or he rules and sits on the Iron Throne. But it'll be kind of a shame if he dies fighting for Danny versus fighting for Winterfell, right? So I mean, I think if Jon if Jon Snow's dying, doesn't he have to die in Episode Three? I think so. I think he would have to die. Uh, fighting the Night King, defeating the Night King. I think he would have to die kind of going out, taking uh, them with That's him. That's the only way we come out of this with positive vibes about Jon Snow, isn't it? <sighs> I think you're right. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, especially the way they painted Daenerys really quickly in episode one. Because, like I said, it seems like there is no way to repair that relationship. Maybe they will. Maybe she does something to earn the respect of Sansa and Arya and everyone, but... There really uh, seemed like they wanted us to think that there was no way that that was going to happen in episode one. Yeah, it seemed like some real tension there. And uh, Sansa and Daenerys, they previewed that for next week. They're going to have some kind of a, a conflict. So uh, I, I'm also interested, though. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the preview for next week? Yeah, I think yeah, I they're kind of I think Cersei is kind of getting lost in this whole thing and how much of an impact she's going to play. Because you hear Daenerys tell Sansa, I think you, she said something along the lines of, I think you were stupid to underestimate Cersei. And then Sansa fires right back at her and says, I think you were too. Meaning like Cersei's going to try to get the South on her side and be ready for that when she just lets everybody else fight it out in the North. Cersei's going to play some role in this. I just, I just don't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, that's what we were supposed to take with her meeting with uh, Euron and that new naval guy. Uh, who was who that guy? Have I missed that guy before? Who the hell was that guy? He's a new guy. It was like uh, Strickland. or He looked a lot like Jamie. He looked a lot more like her type than Euron. <laughs> yeah. Strickland or something like that. Some I don't know. Just He's just a new character. They just casually dropped him in. I mean, I, I guess they were preparing to go and try to take the South, right? Like to be ready to fight them. Because she obviously said good when she was told that the wall the wall had come yeah, down. Like I think she's just trying to rally the South with the gold cloaks and and be ready for when the aftermath comes from the Battle of Winterfell, maybe. 
But I mean, does it get to that point? See, that's what's crazy about me. And it's the biggest question I have left in the whole show is just how does this play out for Cersei? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a question that we have to see answered because it seems, I mean, does the Night King, does the the Army of the Dead, do they make it past episode three, in your opinion, or do we have our solution uh, at the end of the Battle of Winterfell? Episode I really three? don't know. I really don't know. And we're talking about these theories with Jon Snow. Like if Jon Snow and Danny die at the Battle of Winterfell, then, uh, but I mean, if the, I don't know. I don't know if they can die, but Winterfell still stands, you know, because I'm trying to play it out in my mind where Arya ends up meeting up with Cersei, because that's got to happen at some point, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Cersei has to have her comeuppance. Someone has to kill Cersei, whether it's Jaime or Arya. Like, I feel like at this point, it's obviously going to be one of those two. One of them have to go and uh, have, you know, have their meeting with her. So I'll say that maybe not by episode three, because I, I've been big on the idea that the the first battle doesn't go well right. uh, for the living, that 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 they get wiped out and that there's some type of time warg with Bran. I don't really understand what the hell he's doing, but he can go back and try to fix things. I, I don't know. I don't even know how that works. I've just had it in my mind that they're all going to die in episode I think, three. I think you may be right. I, I think I'm kind of leaning toward that. And I think that somehow, and I could be completely off, I think somehow this comes down to Cersei and Arya in some way, like really close to the end. I think they all make it past the Battle of Winterfell, and then we'll see what happens those last three episodes. Because obviously they got to have, I mean, there's going to be more things happen after that if, uh, if you got three hour and a half long episodes after the big battle. Yeah, I mean, tonight's episode, like you said, a six six 6.4 out of 10. Um, I would kind of agree with that, which is surprising because you usually are more optimistic. I feel like it was every bit of a six, six and a half. Um, we'll see. The good news is that they wasted an hour, which means that they have to jam pack even more in to the last five episodes. So next week should ramp up and obviously lead to episode three, which is the one everyone's waiting for. Uh, which is the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, that's going to be uh it's going to be an exciting one. I think uh, the biggest story coming out of this one has to be Bran. At least uh at least I don't know, maybe I'm I'm taking too much just from social media, but Bran has just turned into this cold I mean, I I know like toward the end of season 7 we knew he had become the three-eyed raven and it had changed him a lot, but he's just this cold, weird kind of creepy dude now. I'm just uh I don't know. What what the hell did he mean when Jon Snow said, you're a man, and he said almost. almost? What the hell did he mean? Did he mean he hasn't had sex yet? <laughs> did, did he mean that he hadn't had sex yet? Does he mean that he can't walk? Does he mean that he isn't, you know, he hasn't fully matured? What the I hell does know. that mean, Bran, when you <laughs> say you're almost John a grown man? John was like, okay. John was like, what the yeah. hell is this guy but talking Bran's about? character is really weird, and I don't know. Maybe he ends up, maybe we find out he's the Night King or whatever, and one of these theories comes true. I just... Bran is really, really weird for me right now. I'd be totally fine with Bran just dying off, honestly. I know he's going to play a big, big role. I mean, I guess Bran knows what the future holds, so maybe he's just really emo and depressed because he knows everyone's about to die. Maybe he knows what's coming, and he's just like, yeah, this is uh, this is not good for anybody. We don't have time <laughs> yeah. for this shit. This is bad. Stop hugging. I, I imagine Bran was sitting in his wheelchair 
and, and he saw John Snow getting those damn dragons, and he's just like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" We don't have time what, for this what, what meet is he and greet. We got we got to get ready. These guys are coming to kill everybody. You don't have time for a picnic at the waterfall, John. Get your get your get your stuff together. I wonder if Jamie ends up dying with Bran pushing him off something. <sighs> Man, if uh, if Bran if Bran kills, oh, you mean oh, well, you said with Bran pushing Bran, him off or something. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be awkward, right? I mean, like Jamie has to stand in front of of him next week, and also has to answer to uh, Daenerys, who you know after killing after killing her dad. After uh, yeah, yeah, because that was in the preview about uh, yeah, that's right, because he's Kingslayer. Everyone, everyone hates Jamie. Everyone hates Jamie and Winterfell. So I give him a lot of credit for showing up to the party. Uh, everyone hates him in the entire world right now, except probably Tyrion and Brienne of Tarth. Like that's it. Yeah, Jamie because is even Bronze. Completely... Even Bronze going to try to kill him now. <laughs> Jamie's completely out of place in Winterfell. He has no friends anywhere in the world. He should have just stuck by Cersei's side. Just let her continue to run your life. That's what he should have done. He's putting himself at big risk. Anything else you want to say on this episode before we, we before we shut it down? Uh, I'm good. Nothing else on this one. Uh, I enjoyed the, enjoyed talking about it. I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again next week. Yeah, I, I feel like we I feel like we were a little bit too negative. I didn't want to be so negative, but you know, I, I think that everyone knew that was kind of going to be a, a pace setting episode, right? One that not a lot happened. You just have to acknowledge that all the major characters are now in the same place, so you have to have your awkward hellos. Even Arya and Gendry, like. That was awkward. It feels like they're going to bang. It feels like they're a couple, but how old is Arya supposed to be? Because he seems a lot older than her. It just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I guess she's grown. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she's like 20 in real life now, so I... I Yeah, I don't know how she's supposed to be in the show, but I guess those are different times. You know, Yeah, people are supposed to, you know, I I guess uh, be wed and have children around the first first period, so that's really gross to think about, but okay. All yeah. right, shout out to Gendry and Arya. I guess that's going to be the next power couple. Yeah, this one was just a, a lot of setup, you know. I mean, I guess at least we see that all of our favorite characters are still alive. I mean, I guess if, if you take a positive out of the first episode, you know. Yeah, I, th- I thought Tormund might die at the end of the episode. So I'll say the weak points. Uh, we talked about I really hated the dragon ride. I really hated Tyrion's dialogue. And um, I guess those are my two big complaints. I thought the end scene with, uh, you know, Tormund and the, and them walking through the village and that little zombie kid that was scary. Oh that yeah, made me we jump. We did lose the Umber kid, so we did have one death. Since when did the Night King do weird circles? I thought I was. I felt like I was watching True Detective. I, I didn't know. I didn't know the Night King had a symbol. What the there hell was, was that? Uh, there, that was from season the very first episode i think the pilot episode when they first go out there. Oh, okay you remember there was a, a symbol like that in the very first episode it was it was actually the first scene okay no i didn't i, I didn't remember that yeah that's like his i don't know his his sign or whatever okay i skipped the first episode on my rewatch so uh that makes sense okay shout out to you for the big brain look at the big brain on cody yeah i, well, I just remember seeing it in the when they first encounter the White Walkers, like before we even see uh, Winterfell, in that very first opening scene, there was a, that same symbol. So I thought that was good. I thought the very end of Jamie riding up and, you know, just seeing seeing Bran, he's kind of like, oh, shit. 
and right when the episode ends. I thought that was a good ending. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it left us on a cliffhanger, which this show is pretty good about. Yeah, we'll see what happens next episode. All right, Cody, appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week.